today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The destruction of his flesh, that's the only way he's going to come to his senses and repent, and he does. Well, in a sense, this is what God is saying here. Um, I can't let this go. I cannot tolerate this. I love you too much. I'm going to have to give you over to this. And you're going to have your fill of this. And you're going to come to your senses. And you're going to repent. But this is what it's going to take. When you don't turn from a sin in your life when God tries to lead you away from it and to Him... That sin can take over your life and start a spiral away from God that will be destructive to all parts of your life. But as you'll get to see today with Pastor J.D. responding to his correction by turning from sin leads to blessing. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 5, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire, and the people would, and it shall devour them. Wow, thanks a lot, God. Wait, let me see if I got this straight. So we got this in chapter 1, right out of the chute, right? You put your words in my mouth, I have to speak them. And now you're telling me that the words you put in my mouth are going to be like fire, and the people I'm going to speak them to are going to be like the wood. Wow! I'm not going to have a church left after I speak this. It's going to devour them. I know I probably shared this. Maybe it's appropriate to share it again. It's on my heart. From my heart to your heart. But I guess in some way, I do understand, again, not to excuse it, but to in some way, like Jeremiah, maybe explain it. Why it is that pastors won't preach the word. Maybe it's because they know that it's going to be fire and it's going to burn and it's going to consume and it's going to devour. People don't want to hear it, but people need to hear it. Their life depends on it. Behold, verse 15. I will bring a nation against you from afar, O house of Israel, says the Lord. It is a mighty nation. It is an ancient nation. A nation whose language you do not know, nor can you understand what they say. Of course, speaking of Babylon, that some believe some 40 years from the time this prophecy was given. The Babylonians would come exactly as God said they would and destroy Jerusalem and take captive God's people. Their quiver, verse 16, is like an open tomb. They are all mighty men, and they shall eat up your harvest and your bread, which your sons and daughters should eat, They shall eat up your flocks and your herds. 
They shall eat up your vines and your fig trees. They shall destroy your fortified cities. And I want you to catch this. In which you trust with the sword. Remember that abundance, that prosperity. I blessed you to the full. I prospered you to the full. Well, we got some details here. I blessed the harvest of your crops, so you have bread to eat. I blessed your livestock, your flocks, and your herds. I blessed your vineyards, and your trees, your vines, and your fig trees. I even blessed you with the ability to fortify your structures, your cities. But you know what? As it turns out, You put your trust in that which I gave to you. The fortified cities, the abundance of your vines, fig trees, your flocks, your herds, your harvests, your crops. I'm the one who blessed you with that. And what do you do with that? You start trusting in that which I gave you instead of me. And now we're going to (laughs) see... Nevertheless, in those days, says the Lord, verse 18, and here it is again, the mercy of God, I will not make a complete end of you. And, verse 19, it will be when you say, why does the Lord our God do all these things to us? Then you shall answer them, just as you have forsaken me, and served foreign gods in your land, so you shall serve aliens in a land that is not yours. What an irony. You have served and worshipped these foreign gods in your land, now you're going to be taken captive into a foreign land. You'll have plenty of those gods there. That's what God's saying. And this is what happens when we refuse God's correction. We don't take heed to His warning. He will deem it necessary to give us over to that thing that we've served and trusted in. Oh, you like these foreign gods, do you? You've brought them into your land to serve them and trust in them? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you your fill of them. You like those foreign gods? I'm going to let the Babylonians take you into captivity, and you ain't seen foreign gods yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till you see the array of foreign gods that are there for you in their land to serve, and to trust in. I was just thinking about, in Paul's epistles to the Corinthians, I think we referenced it on Sunday, concerning love and what love is, and what love is not. Paul rebukes them, concerning this guy that was in open sexual sin within the church, and they were tolerating it, allowing it under the banner of, we're so loving and accepting. And Paul says, that's not love. If you really love him, what you're going to do is you're going to kick him out of the church and give him over to Satan 
for the destruction of his flesh. That's the only way he's going to come to his senses and repent, and he does. Well, in a sense, this is what God is saying here. Um, I can't let this go. I cannot tolerate this. I love you too much. I'm going to have to give you over to this. And you're going to have your fill of this. And you're going to come to your senses. And you're going to repent. But this is what it's going to take. I mean, it's the easy way or the hard way. (laughs) And apparently we can't do this the easy way. So i got to do this reluctantly, by the way, the hard way. Never imagine that God again takes any delight in doing this. I would venture to say that God will do everything and stop at nothing to avoid having to do this. You think he wants for his children to be taken captive by the Babylonians? But if that's what it takes, I don't have any other choice. You've left me with no choice. I have to do this. Verse 20. Declare this in the house of Jacob, and proclaim it in Judah, saying, Hear this now, O foolish people, without understanding, who have eyes and see not, who have ears and hear not. Do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence? Who have placed the sand as the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass beyond it? And though its waves toss to and fro, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it. couple thoughts here. First, it's this plea again, this query, if you prefer. God saying, don't you fear me? I mean, you're not going to obey me because of your love for me. But don't you at the very least have a fear of me? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Don't you fear me? The sea does. And by the way, you're fighting against me. You will not prevail against me. The sea, with its waves crashing and tossing to and fro, they roar, but they will never prevail against me. Is that what you're trying to do? You're fighting against me, thinking you can prevail against me? Do you not fear me? (sighs) If you can't tell, this is a really hard chapter. (laughs) You're going, you, what about us? I know. I'm sorry. What can I say? That's true. If it's hard to teach, it's got to be hard to be taught. There's no fear of God in our eyes. That's the only explanation, isn't it? I mean, if I really fear the Lord and tremble before Him, I'd be on my face before Him. 
That's what the fear of the Lord is. You know, I think we misunderstand when we talk about the fear of God. You know, it's kind of like, whoa, we got to be afraid of Him. Not at all. You know what the fear of the Lord is? Yes, it's a, a reverent, holy awe of who God is, how mighty God is. But it's also this fear of never wanting to do anything that would displease Him. That's the fear of the Lord. You're so afraid of doing anything that would hurt the heart of God. Now let me bring it into a, a more uh, bottom shelf illustration. Think about it in the husband-wife relationship. I love my wife so much. I mean, I love her so much. I think she kind of likes me too, but I love her so much, okay? And I fear ever doing anything that would hurt her. That's how much I love her. You know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, If you love the Lord that much, the first five commandments, done deal. You're not going to have any other gods before Him. You're not going to make for yourself any graven images and bow down to them. You're certainly not going to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You're going to enter into His rest. And you're going to honor. I know it's your earthly father and mother, but that is proportionate to our honoring of our heavenly father. There's a link. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. If I love my neighbor that much, I'm not going to steal from them. I'm not going to covet them because I love them. I will fear doing anything. I will tremble in fear. That's how serious I take it because I don't want to do anything that's going to bring any pain to someone that I love that much. That's the fear of the Lord. And God is just asking, it's rhetorical, I suppose, Do you not fear me? Because if you really feared me, we wouldn't be having this conversation. If you really feared me, I wouldn't have to correct you. If you really feared me, I wouldn't have to allow the Babylonians to come and invade and take you captive. Verse 23, but this people has a defiant and rebellious heart. They have revolted and departed. They do not say in their heart, Let us now fear the Lord our God, who gives rain, both the former and the latter in its season. He reserves for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Your iniquities, verse 25, have turned these things away, and your sins have withheld good from you. 
here it is again. I prospered you. I blessed you. I brought the rains for you. And what's your response? Defiance and rebellion. Here again, we see how the goodness of God and the abundance from God can be that which takes away our heart for God. This is what happened to them. Think about David. I just this just came to me just real quick. When Nathan the prophet confronts him, lays out this case, and David becomes indignant. And then Nathan, a type of the Holy Spirit, says, David, thou art the man. And David just crumbles and breaks. Finally, David, finally. How long? In the Psalms, you give us a snapshot of what it was like for you. Sounds like it was well nigh one year. And you were dying inside. And now you finally repented. And it's so interesting what God says to David through the prophet Nathan. He says, David, I gave you everything. I withheld from you nothing. I have blessed you exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything you could have ever imagined. Is there anything I would not have done for you or given to you? Oh, that must have, and rightfully so, justly, rightly, must have just, oh, pierced his heart. This man who had a heart after God's own heart. Oh, you've been so good to me. You've given so much to me. Verse 26, how you doing? We're almost done. (laughs) You okay? For among my people are found wicked men. They lie in wait as one who sets snares. They set a trap. They catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so their houses are full of deceit. That's quite the image. Therefore, and here it is again, they have become great and grown rich. They have grown fat. They are sleek. Yes, they surpass the deeds of the wicked. They do not plead the cause, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper. And the right of the needy they do not defend. Interesting side note, parenthetically, did you know that that was the sin of Sodom? We always associate the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah as being just sexual perversion. But if you read the text in Ezekiel, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was that they had no regard for the poor, the helpless, the fatherless. We just saw that in James, did we not? You fancy yourself as being religious, the only pure undefiled religion I'll accept is taking care of those who can't care for themselves and who cannot repay you, like orphans and widows. Verse 29. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? 
Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? Again, that should send chills up and down every single one of our spines. Now listen to verse 30 and 31. An astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power, and my people love to have it so. And here's the question. But what will you do in the end? What an indictment. Let's start with the prophets. They were prophesying false. They were false prophets. What about the priests? Oh, they were corrupted in their power. And if that weren't bad enough, how about the people? You got the prophets, the priests, and the people. Let's call them the three Ps. Why not? False prophets corrupted priests, and the people, oh, they love to have it so. Maybe that's why. I keep referring to it in Isaiah, speak to us only smooth things. Tell us what our ears are itching to hear. Tell us what we want to hear. We love it when you do that. Tell us lies. (laughs) Don't tell us the truth. I don't want to hear the truth. Go ahead and prophesy falsely. This is quite deliberate, for lack of a better word, but it seems that the people were encouraging the prophets to prophesy falsely and the priests to rule by their own corrupted power. They loved it. They love to have it so. But, and this is how the chapter ends. What will you do in the end? That's the question. What are you going to do when the time, when, not if the time comes? What are you going to do when the end comes? Because heretofore you've had false prophets. Corrupted by power priests, and you've loved every minute of it, what are you going to do when the time comes? What are you going to do in the end? I'm so sorry that I have to end the Bible study on that note, but if I didn't, then I'm going to do the very thing that the judgment came on them for. You know, take the edge off of it. Come on, Pastor, can't you just kind of leave us with a warm, fuzzy, you know, something just kind of, you know. No, I can't because I don't have permission to. Maybe as we uh, leave, make our way home, maybe we would do well to ask ourselves this question. What am I going to do in the end? What am I going to do in the end? Astonishing and horrible things. Astonishing and horrible things. 
You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to this study in the Word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard in this edition. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like the one you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth.